Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Ian. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about a subject very close to our hearts or maybe that's not the right term because no. there are mortal enemies. Um, the Valorn with the wonderful Curtis. Hi Curtis. Hello. Um, so you are the, uh, what is your title? An advisor <laughs> on the Valorn? So my title officially is the advisor on the Valorn. Yeah. And what does that, what does that mean? Um, so, um, power-wise, my role is that I am a Senate advisor in regards to matters of the Valorn. So, by my position, I have um, the ability to address the Senate, so I can speak to the Senate floor about um, Valorn-related issues. I have the ability to conduct um, historical research on one of, I believe, the three positions currently in play that can mm. authorise such. Um, I used to be able to... Uh, what's the word? Uh, put forward an interdiction in the conclave and also i am the um warden no see this is the thing there's so many like abilities to the actual role it's got a number of titles um but the library of hasinian so that's the big library up in hakenia um that title is officially under my duress okay could you i think it's worth breaking down actually a couple of those things and i think the most (laughs) obvious one to start with actually is how would you as the expert define the valorn so this is always the interesting one is when it comes to Valon, people often are talking about one of several things. And it's either a Valon is in the area, a Valon is in the heart, or Valon is in Valon spawn. Mm. So usually people use that as like a catch-all term for like all Valon related things, but usually if we talk about a Valon, it's one of those three things. And so, what because the Valon are sort of like a uh... A, a threat, if you like, in in the game of Empire, loosely expressed. Um, how, yeah, how would you define each of those elements of how, like the the Valorn as a uh, as an entity in the world, the Valorn as its various sort of husks and other sort of tendrils reaching out into the world, and, and so on. So the main thing is is that a Valorn itself is a area. Mm. It's like an area infused with spring magic. So it's an ecosystem that is infused with the spring magic in this particular nature, which means the thing in the area, they grow, they change, they mutate, and that's what creates the Valorn spawn. Mm. So you get like etacaps, which are like beetles, which have been infused with spring magic, corrupted, and warped into Valorn entities. Um, the plants and vegetation, as likewise, they become more powerful, larger, more dangerous. And then the most common Valorn spawn is obviously the husks, which is when an area of Valorn has a miasma in it, and when a body falls in miasma, will be infected by this miasma, and will reanimate as a Valorn spawn husk. So, awesome. so all the things that are manifested, as in walk around, or are grown, are based off something else. So there's no such thing as a, a Valorn thing like as as a species of Valorn effectively it is the effect of the Valorn on other things is is that correct yeah yeah it's a corruption of things that exist interesting um and historically uh I guess it's worth kind of nailing in how uh, how the Valorn came to be as best we understand and uh how that relates to Navarre. Is that something you're comfortable to explain in short and then we can I'm sure go into it in a bit more detail? Yes, yes uh, the Valon was actually was the great and final mistake of True Nail. Um the True Nail was the empire that existed before the present empire. Uh the exact time it existed isn't clear, but it seems to be more than a thousand years ago, somewhere close to one and a half thousand years ago. Um, and from historical research, past life visions, and all such manners of researching this, we learned that they were assaulted on all sides, and as a solution to this conflict, cast a great ritual, which didn't work quite how they expected, and the mm. result was the Valon, which in the end saw the Empire crumble, their cities destroyed, and the Empire of Tarunil was no more. Right, and, the, and, then and, from, and Tarunil are like... Um the kind of forefathers of Navarre, right? Like, that's kind of my understanding, that they were the kind of progenitor to what we understand as Navarre today? Um, in a ways, yes. So, the, the Trinity what came before, and then the Navarre are what happened following it, and it's... I'm just checking historical notes in my head now. 
So essentially, the people who survived the fall of Trunail, because the Trunail were slavers. So it was the people of Trunail, the slaves of Trunail, the tribes around at the time, they all eventually became the Navar by following the individual Navar. And it was Navar and Thorn, the people, who became the creators of the nation of Navar. Cool. Yeah, that's that's important to say. Actually, Navar was a was a person, an individual. Yeah. And kind of we, we were named after. Yeah, them. I knew that. I've just been playing Navar for so many years, and I <laughs> totally knew that. So, yeah, geez. Um, and and that's where the dance of Navar and Thorns comes from. Essentially, is am I right in that? Yeah. So the dance of Navar and Thorn is. In the most common context, it's a ritual, which mm. the Navarre used to um, establish and rework the trods. Mm -hmm. But also the Dance of Navarre and Thorn is also a term used for the journey that, that Navarre and Thorn took when they were first establishing the trods. Yeah, and I thought that was... The reason I wanted to bring that up is because I think the trods are an important element, as far as I understand, in, in kind of weaving together the kind of the state of play as is, I think, broadly understood by the main populace in in Navarre certainly maybe more broadly in the Empire about how the trods interact with the Valorn. Is is that something you can kind of uh, describe succinctly? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so essentially the trods, um the most common people way they're explained to people is think of them like magical ley lines. Yeah. And that's the most like easy way to explain how they kind of function. But essentially they're pathways that are magically linked into the earth that when the ritual dance of Navarathon is cast establishes them. And then by walking these trods and these pathways, you draw spring magic away from the Valorn, and in doing so, you weaken it and make it more vulnerable over time. And then the mm. more people who walk these trods and walk these pathways, if they repeat the patterns, if they walk long distances, it draws more and more energy from the Valorn to leave it more vulnerable over time. Is it kind of has this sort of dormancy that it enters? Is that as a result of sort of taking drawing the spring magic away, or is that as a result of kind of uh, not interacting with it. It, it, it. That's kind of how I understand it, or am I wrong in, in that assumption? No, you're, you're right. Um, it, it, it does kind of ebb and flow in its like, power. It's, it goes it's like a dormant state where it kind of like recovers and waits for a while, and then will burst and spread again. Mm. And then will go dormant for a bit again, and then spread again. And essentially, by the, using the trods, you're weakening how powerful that burst is every time. Yeah, and I suppose it's also worth saying that the the Valorn um, is spread over a, a very large area in these sort of, I guess, uh, major sites where Teruniel used to hold sway. Is that correct? Because there's also yeah. one in Axos, isn't there? Yeah, so the Valorn hearts are located at every major city of the Teruniel Empire. Mm. And then again, from historical research, past life visions, which where most of the information comes from with these things is relics, past life visions, historical research and those kind of things. Okay. So we've now, as far as we're aware, we've found all eight eight cities of Trunail. So mm. we now know where all eight Valorn hearts okay, are. Okay, makes an obvious question: okay. What is a Valorn heart, or what do we know about a Valorn heart? Which is very, uh, very. We're 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 approaching <clears throat> up to that. Yep. So so this is the great thing. At the moment, we do not know. The last time um, anybody in the Empire saw a Valorn heart was when we destroyed the Valorn heart in Seren in Miaran which is the geographically the most central Navarre territory. That was the last time one was successfully destroyed, and the first time one was successfully destroyed, and that was the last time we ever saw what a heart was. And to date, we don't know what a Valon heart actually is. There are theories in historical research, there are theories in play, but we have no confirmation either way yet. And I, I think it's probably worth then really quickly going into uh, why... Uh, what is going on in the empire prior <laughs> literally uh, and about to burst onto the scene in in e1 of of this year which is relevant to to, to that state of affairs uh, is that sort of a, a thing you're happy to kind of describe <laughs> yeah um because we've had a as far as i'm aware in play unprecedented opportunity um to press into a Valon deeper than ever before, specifically the Valorn of Brakeliand, which is the largest Valorn in Imperial territory. Mm. And in doing so, we managed to hit enough strength that we've had the opportunity to actually get to the heart, and a number of players with military units have the option to go to the heart and look upon it, and all of those players will receive a report in their pack saying what they oh, saw. It's fucking crazy, dude. That's it's so, so crazy. Exciting. 
so exciting. This is like, oh man, it's like a, you know, you were alive at the time of moments. You know what I mean? Like we we were actually seeing like, a, and it's it's cool because it's like, um, it's it, it's a really it's a really good one potentially. Although it's kind of interesting because obviously, as you say, uh, this the destruction of a blown heart. Mm. Which this isn't. This is more like the 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 sort of learning what it is, and and then beginning hopefully the process of learning how to destroy it. Yeah. But the destruction of the uh, Valorn heart, and um, that you described previously in I'm terrible pronouncing this, the names the regions Miren, uh, Miaren, Miaren, that's it, which is now the city of Seren. Yeah. Uh, that the law on that is lost. Is that as a result of? Uh, sort of it being destroyed by the the mad emperor in, in times past, or is there something deeper into why that sort of lore is lost? Uh, once again, it seems like a thanks Nikavar moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. At the last summit, um, I got a report on the town which attacked Seren. So mm -hmm. at the how on times at the summer event, I submitted historical research into the destruction of Seren. Mm -hmm. which is now on the wiki in public records. So if you went onto the historical research page, there is actually a report on the destruction of Miaren as mm. best as the historical research department has managed to uncover the information. Mm. Can I ask you, actually, this is a slightly removed from a question about the Valorn, but just in regards to historical research, because you have uh, one of the sort of three positions, yeah. I think it's very interesting to sort of go into how that functionally works, but also... Is is it a case of everything you learn is automatically published to the masses, or do you get a choice about whether or not the information comes to you, and then what after what you've seen is is then released? How does it sort of function uh, as best you could describe game wise, and then? Yeah. Um, so to, to my understanding, because I've only been playing the there for a year. Mm. Um, which is crazy, by the way. You've come into so much cool game, by the way. And this is massive props to you as a player for really taking this on and making it such an amazing thing in the game. It's so cool. Thank you. Um, but um, previously, to my understanding, when people got a report from the historical research department, they had the option whether to publish it or keep it to themselves. Mm. Whereas now it has entered the default state where when you research something, it will by default be published to the wiki. Interesting. And go onto the historical research lists. Um, actually committing historical research is essentially the the Empire can put forward two historical researches every season. Okay. And then the advisor on the Valon, the Imperial Advisor on the Feni, I think is the title's official name, and the Minister, Minister of Historical Research can all submit these. Mm. So there's three positions that can put them forwards, but only two slots that, that can work? actually be filled. Who gets to, and, and... Who gets to decide who which of the three gets to go? Yeah. Um, so, technically, it's whoever gets it in first. However, in play, people have, like, the, the people in the positions meet together, discuss it, and there is a system agreed upon um, an order of voting on certain matters, just to try and make it a bit fair for people. Um, but mechanically, you could just go there first and be like, I'm doing this tough. But I think that would immediately lead to some people trying to get you out of that position very quickly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Accidents happen all the times in the woods, right? It's an elected <laughs> position. Um, um, so, all of them or the advisor? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming <laughs> all of them, or are they different? Depending advisor on... to the Fenny is definitely done in the Senate. Yeah, so Minister of Historical Research and Advisor on the Fenny are both Senate elected. Um, they're mm. yearly positions which any Imperial citizen can stand for. Advisor on the Valon is a Navarre only position, which is elected by Navarre senators and is a position with tenure. So, I have the position until either my character dies. Um, I retire the character, I step down from the position, the National Assembly revokes me, or now somebody could challenge me with the... Um, oh, there's a new thing put in Senate. The yeah, Vital Virtuous Challenge. That's it, yeah. So if people went to the Nevada National Assembly and were like, we want to stand against the fair, mm. will you support me? If enough people say yes, then my position will go up for election and it'll be a contest again. Yeah, it's a challenge of virtue, essentially, is it? Is yeah. how you can unseat someone from, and and that doesn't apply uh, specifically to, to just to your position, but no, all, no, all, all positions. It's it's a kind of a another mechanism, I think, that has kind of been introduced into the game, and, and it's it's fun, yeah, I think, it's, to it's unseat any position people. Tenure. I have uh, a question. <clears throat> you started about seeing that we're on this subject. The you mentioned how you had a few different powers, and one of them was some sort of veto power. Could you explain what that is? 
Um, so I used to have the power of interdiction. Interdiction, sorry. Which yeah. was the veto power, which is in the conclave, you can put forward an interdiction, and if the conclave vote yes on it, then a certain item or ritual and similar things will be declared um, interdicted, in which case it will be illegal to possess it if it's an item or illegal to cast it if it's a ritual. So essentially the Conclave go, this is dangerous, no. Um, but with the changes to Conclave, now only one of each declaration has a position that can utilize it, so my position lost the power of interdiction. Okay. I, I think also um, your player journey is just so fascinating, and, and just so, like, it shows what can be achieved in a, in a very... Uh, sort of short period of time as uh, both uh, OC and IC. Uh, hmm. Do you want to kind of uh, go maybe into your character and how you what what drove you and directed you in the various <laughs> journeys you took to sort of get the position? Um, so, so before the longest arc, um, I was playing a Navari Thorn and a brand called Dal, and then as the longest arc drove on and on. The fair as a character got like more and more conceptualized in my head. Mm. I was thinking more details, more about what they would be, what I wanted to do with them. And then at a certain point, I think it was at um, Shadow of the Fallen Queen, the yeah. Eerie Light event. I was like, right, this is Dal's last event. Either he dies at this event and I play the fair, or he survives, I retire him and I play in the fair. Yeah. And it just happened to be that I died on the last skirmish of the event. Was thing, or did you just, or was it like reckless abandon, or just? No, it was just the skirmish went suddenly very bad. I got a particularly nasty traumatic wound and was like, oh heck, and bled out while watching my striding members and um, being healed, which for a loyalty brand was like the perfect ending for him, basically. Amazing. Amazing. And then I basically had the third stuff, so went to a bunch of player events as the third, and got more into the character. But as I was developing him, I got more and more interested and fascinated by the lore. Mm. Um, it became like days of like 20 wiki pages opening and cross-referencing, like, oh, this historical research says this, and this past life vision says this, and this bit of the wiki also mentions this. And just slowly building this interest and like developing like my knowledge of what, what had happened, what we knew about it, what we didn't know about it. Um, and that kind of got even like heightened when I went to a player event, which was, I'm sure what it was called now, oh, um, Symposium on the Valon, mm, yeah. I think, um, which was held by the previous advisor on the Valon, um, in which it was basically just a discussion about Valon matters. So I got the chance to talk to, at the time, it was uh, Sean Eternal. So I got to talk to Sean about my theories, my questions, my considerations, and that kind of thing. Um, had some answers questioned, went wrong way around, some questions answered even. <laughs> put forward some of my own questions and like got to know a bit more and got to like be known a bit more as somebody who was very interested in this and was working towards it and then at E1 when I first played the fair um, I basically just jumped deep into like the guiding game of things mm. like a lot of what I was doing was pursuing um, oh what was it there was a certain mandate I was pursuing in play mm. which got enacted and all the while I was doing this I kept on going back to the town of Hamley Tent and being like oh have you heard about this? What's this? Pursuing any rumors about Valon research. Um, if there was visions that were heard about, I'd go and pursue those. And ask for more details. And it basically just the character and well, the character and the player were just obsessed with learning more about mm. the Valon. And I think that fascination and interest and constant pursuit is what led to me eventually getting the position at the Spring Summit. Yeah, I think it's it's really a case of um, if you want it, you you can certainly give getting it a good crack and there's no guarantee that you'll get it the first time and obviously uh you've had this experience dave going for your your kind of various sort of hatted positions or, or and stuff but it's like there's definitely something to be said for just letting yourself run wild in in a in a field that interests you and then who knows also, where that will go um just because you aren't the person wearing the hat doesn't mean that you don't get to interact with that game um and also yeah. a lot oh, of yeah, this sure. is like uh, <clears throat> proxies are really, really handy. Anyone that wears a hat, it's not a one-person job. It's it's 100% like you need keen people around you to be able to get shit done, basically. Um, I'm sure you've found that as well, Curtis, right? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been trying to... I've, been, I've got somebody lined up who I'm off to ask me my <laughs> proxy. I think they seem keen on the idea. So I'm just like, yay, I've got somebody who can be like, here, there's a meeting. Go, go and attend this if you're interested in it. And also, I think... I've um, attended, no, intended for the next, yeah, um, intended for the next event to run the advisor 
question and answer session. Mm. So I'm doing an, doing an hour where it's like, if you have questions about the Valon, come and talk to me. I'll try and answer it. And then I can learn faces of people who are keen about Valon stuff and recognize, like, right, you're interested. I know to look for you if you want to learn more about um, it kind of thing. Let's go back to the Valon more specifically. Uh, there's a... I don't know if it's correct or not, but my understanding is that there was a um, a motion made that passed that was that the Vlorn are the greatest spiritual threat, and this is related to the idea that if you fall while you are in the Vlorn miasma, then your soul is trapped within the husk. Could you give us a more educated, nuanced point of view of what I just said? So that was a mandate that was put forward by the Nirvanash Assembly. It was then escalated to the General Assembly and voted in favour of. So according to the Synod, the Valon is the greatest spiritual threat to the Empire because it traps souls. Um, if you look on the wiki, um, it has been updated since the Long Dark. Um, on the Valon Husk page, it specifically has an insight section where it states, sometimes when using the ceremony of insight, on occasion, it has been found that a husk will have a spirit or a soul, and sometimes there is no result. And the Nevada National Assembly also put forward a statement, um, which, again, it's on the wiki under the Synod Judgments section, I think, which is like, the Synod is a wonderful tool for getting information onto the wiki for public referral, just so you can mm -hmm. put something up there and people can see it. But the Nevada National Assembly put a thing forward saying, through further, I'd find the actual word for word, it's worth checking it, but um, along the lines of, through further investigation, we found that sometimes a spirit is trapped when falling in the miasma, but not all the time. However, we still regard it as the greatest spiritual threat of the Empire. Okay, so um, Synod are the kind of religious machinations of the Empire, basically. It's a, a very, um, d like, I would say democratic, but, but, I, but I'm not sure whether it really fits that definition. Um, but basically, it's a, it's a, the, the, you have different things, how they have discussions on what the way is and how we should worship the way, and or not worship the way. That's probably the wrong way to put it. Please don't heresy me. Um, but, you know, this is kind of like the religious folks kind of saying what is virtuous and what isn't um, and helping guide kind of policy from that. So it's quite a useful tool if you're wearing a hat to have the Synod make a judgment because it's kind of hitting the hitting the issue of a kibosh of uh, like our religion, which is supposed to be one of the most dominating factors in, in our lives, you know. And it's also because um, you kind of uh, sort of double hit this uh, nail on the head because you're, you're also a pride priest. Um, it, it, was that like a was that just kind of how when you were building the fear that like uh, a route that you decided to go or did that kind of go hand in hand with seeking out the, the sort of the lawn research um so the initial concept from the fair was always a guide who was specifically a pride priest mm. and building the character it was always that thing of like building up your fellows inspiring others to greatness um and it was just a case of like that was the, like the character's build was always starting off with being a, a pride priest being a guide and then also having some like fingers in magic and being a vape of certain like knowledge realms and then it was just the the historical pursuit thing was just the character's interest mm. so like it's the thing like to, to pursue an area of game at empire you don't really need particular skills to follow mm. that area of game with some exceptions like if you're trying to do conclave and you can't get into the hall of worlds pretty hard but there are ways around that don't do conclave though um, don't do that avoid that um <laughs> But it's like, um, so the fair is, and also to be fair, actually, it was a, partially, it was partially intent because again, with the Synod, if you put forward a judgment that goes up onto public records. So mm. my thought of it was, if I put forward a judgment saying we've learned this, then it becomes suddenly available on the wiki to public records. People can see what's happening. I think mm -hmm. this is, um, and sorry, this is one thing on. that I think so I've, I've, I've been really impressed by the way you've approached the game is a very transparent and wanting to educate our not only Navarre, but any citizen that's interested. You seem very mm. proactive in trying to um, spread out information and the game that follows with that information. I think that's one of the, the... I think that's really impressive, Curtis, that you're kind of taking that... That <laughs> it's You laugh, but it's not necessarily the most common thing with a lot of hat wearers or information keepers. But you seem, um, as your character anyway, like uh, like it seems like and I think this is the correct way to do it, which is, especially when it comes to the Vlorn, is try and spread this information out, get everybody informed on what's going on and make us a, a significantly better threat to the Vlorn as a concept, right? Mm. 
<clears throat> it's it's a thing where um, now that Sharn is an advisor, um, she's taken a congregation herself and has started like um, again like. I'm going to refer to the wiki and the judgment things a lot because it's the tool that I often use. Um, but now on the judgment records, there's a, uh, I think the last three seasons, Sean has put forward something which has a part of like the history of Navarre and like the creation of the nation of Navarre is now available on these judgments. That's awesome. Mm. So that people have the chance to actually see it and be like, oh, we know mm. this. Because it's one of the things where it's, it's kind of hard to get information published on the wiki mm -hmm. um, and put forward onto the wiki without having the particular means for that. So, for example, I got a um, a, his, uh, a report about something to do with TrueNail as a separate entity to my historical research, but I'm trying to look into ways of getting it put onto the wiki. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, how do I get this put into public things? Because it's not really a thing for Synod. It's not really a historical research. Like, how how do I get it out there for people in a greater way? Because I'm I'm still like talking about it and discussing it, but I'm trying to get it even more available where sure. possible. Yeah, because does the wiki kind of then in that respect and these kind of Senod um, pushes onto the wiki, does that represent essentially like, uh, I'm going to use a bad kind of uh, analogy here, but like the clergy espousing the, 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 the like, um, or like a town crier kind of letting the, the populace at large know this information? Is that like representative of that sort of thing? Um, kind of, yeah. So it was actually thing I recently learned is if you do something through the Navarre National in Synod. Um, it won't get shared with the League, but mm. every Navarre congregation will be sent a copy of this report saying the Navarre National Assembly have said this. So, in a way, if you say something through the Navarre National Assembly, every Navarre congregation has learned about this thing. Mm. And the same for the General Assembly. If something passes through the General Assembly, every congregation in the Empire will be shared this information. Okay. That's cool. That's, that's, um, yeah. Maybe you could talk about uh, some of the. Uh, but by the way, this is like Valorn is. We've always been interested <laughs> in it, but right now Valorn is 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 rapidly uh, the storyline is is the, it's the hot, hot ticket, ticket, dude. Could you maybe yeah. talk about the 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 kind of is it a library or a university that we're building that is going to help us do research? Uh, Am I right in thinking we're about to begin the Manhattan yes, Project, essentially? Yes, that's kind of... <laughs> A lot of people have been calling it that. So, again, another part of the position is that... Ah, remember the word, finally. Is that um, the title makes you the custodian of the Library of Hercynian, hmm. which is a library in Hercynia. And recently we had the opportunity to expand the library and use it as a repository for all knowledge on the Valon. Hmm. Um, and I believe that was... I believe it's gone through Senate, it's been funded, it's been commissioned, so it's currently being built and expanded upon. And as part of the opportunity, there was also options to get the Historical Research Department to look into the Valon, um, to get the Highborn to gather their information upon it and give it to the library, and to get the scholars of the League to consider ways of fighting the Valon and bring that to the library. And the end result is that there will be a project that worked upon over a number of seasons. By default, it is two years. But I believe we've hit every single target possible to reduce its actual time frame. Um, at the end of which, we'll be presented with a alternate solution to destroying the Valon that doesn't require us walking there the going to be. We're not whatever it is is going to be bad. I'm telling you, like you must oh, yeah. sacrifice yeah, a thousand it's gonna souls. It's going to be really <laughs> bad. There's no way they're going to be like, oh yeah, just uh, be really nice to each other and everything will be fine and, <laughs> and with no cost at all. It's going to be something truly fucking awful that will have people arguing in the streets. But I can't wait for that information to come out. Like um, the the idea of me and Ian have been talking about this forever that we wanted to stay in Navarre until we, we could get one. You know, like destroy a Valorn heart, right? Um, and that's the kind yeah. of dream. It's um, so exciting. I feel like we're on a, a, the, the, the precipice of actually figuring out how to do that. It might still be a few years away now, but because um, it's going to take, uh, is it, am I right in saying a year potentially from last event? So it's, it's a year to build the extension mm -hmm. to the library. And then it was going to be two years to do the project itself. As far as I'm aware, we've hit every single target to reduce it, so it's only going to take us two seasons to research so it. So, like a year and years. a half, potentially. Yeah. If, if my maths is right, which it might not be, because I don't use the do build slots and things, next spring, we might have the solution. 
Oh my god, it's so exciting, dude. <laughs> it's so like it's a massive like it's it's like a it's a real testament, I think, to a lot of people who've put a lot of work into getting and it, and it's no singular individual and in fact not even a singular nation. Um, I mean, obviously the Navarre are very like f focused on it, and obviously that's the part of the game that we're all from. But it, it, there's been a lot of people pulling all the various strings uh, and certain so, levers to basically get it to this point, and it's so exciting for all those people to to finally see the uh, pachinko machine balls <laughs> slide um, down and 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 hopefully land in a pocket that's going to get us High a nice prize a, at the end. A bit of skin in the game, don't they? Because um, they helped us walk the trods, um, and they kind of have a bit of a uh, an interest in seeing the death of the lawn as well, right? Am I right in saying that? It's yeah, the great pilgrims, so, right? Yeah, the, the Great Pilgrims were created for the purpose of walking the trods um, and sp spreading the way to other nations of the Empire, like, as well as they're doing it. But the main purpose is to walk the trods to help combat the Valorum by drawing its spring magic away. And also, they've helped us in Bacalian several times. They've, um, mm -hmm. Their congregations have been sent to other military aid to combating the Valorum. They did it for the last, I think, two seasons when the Valorum was spreading in Bacalian. Um, and they've done it for this push into Bacalian as well. They actually, I think it was a two-rank penalty they suffered to send in, I think, 2,000 strength to the heart. Um, and also they had the mandate as well to accept the library and accelerate that process. So Highguard have been doing a bunch of things to work towards it. So the, the League have been helping with the research project. Um, a bunch of nations like sought out people to do the trade to get the library funded and built in its resources. So it's definitely like an imperial effort like mm, to work awesome. towards this, and I think the the movement of it into that status of you know the greatest spiritual threat uh, really kind of um, it pressed the go button I think uh, and brought it to the fore and a lot of players' minds spread across um, the various nations of the empire and and I think for me it felt like that was the sort of the turning point of when things really started to to escalate. Um, yeah, it's it's so it's so fun. It's so exciting. I just we're, and the thing is, um, for those listening, we're literally like a few weeks out from like finding out the the the, the interesting deets of what actually happened to those those valiant few who ventured their way all the way through to the to the Valorn Heart in Brakeliand, which was uh, it, actually the uh, Teruniel itself. Am I right in this? The the actual yeah. capital. Of, of the old empire. Yeah, uh, Brakeliand had the city of Tarunel at its heart, and that is the city of, that formed the empire. Oh, it's exciting. Um, there's also one, a big one, as far as I'm aware, in a city in Axos. Um, do you have any kind of links with that or, in, or information on that? Or I don't really know anything about the nation of Axos. To be, like, maybe you know more than, than me, Dave, being for your ambassadorial stuff but like is there it, it, it how how does that interact because as far as i'm aware that's the only one that is outside the empire or am i incorrect in that assumption no so um the valon in axos is the city of kavan mm -hmm. um which is in the region of visokuma um which has been entirely claimed by the valon um they didn't try to fight it they let it consume the entire region and surrounded it with um, citadels. Mm -hmm. And we have information on this, again, from historical research report. There's, I think it's the longest historical research report I've seen, which is called Trunail in Axos, mm -hmm. um, which is a it's a three-part research with a lot of pages, and it's an amazing read. It's, it's the main one that hooked me into, like, I want to do more of this. This is great. Um, and there's been a number of times when we've had um, citizens from Axos come to the Empire, um, and sometimes they've discussed the Valon and matters of that. Apart from um, Kavan in Axos, we also know there is Bayantal Dol in Sarangrave, which is opposite the Fever Water from Theronin. Um, okay. And we know that there is also the city of Emrys up in Skuld in Okadov in the Thor territories. And we have permission from the Thor to walk the trods that were established to Skuld. Interesting. Okay. So each of these different nations, they view it? themselves as a hostile entity slash force or, or do they have different views on it um the, the thor have 
I'm trying to remember now what's wiki knowledge, what's public, and what's not. Um, yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Thul have their way of dealing with it, but it's an annoyance. Um, the Druge, this is on the Spireport, which is public, so that's fine. The Druge have a tribe of humans called the Grinball in their mm. lands, which is like one of their slave tribes. And the Druze don't really interact with the with the Valon as we as we know very much, but this human tribe go into it, um, okay. and they kind of utilize it for some means. Again, I'm just trying to like quickly think like, wait, hang on, what's what's public, what's what's not? Uh, um, and then we know that the Axu, um, again, that's in their report. They just have their surrounded by citadels, and they don't attack it, and they don't go into it. But whenever the Valorn spawn walk out of it, essentially their military goes, go back in, go back in, go back in, and beats it with a stick until it goes away. Okay. They're like uh, they're homies, by the way. As a, as a nation, they're like one of our close, close allies. Um, they tend to vote alongside us when it comes to uh, Liberty Pact, generally, I want to say that. Okay. Uh, just as a kind of thing for this. So if someone wanted to be, maybe look into being an ambassador for Axos, that's definitely on the cards, and they're a non-slaver nation and part of the Liberty Pact and all that stuff, just to... I might as well put my oar in. I'm an ambassador and stuff, you know. <laughs> Go on, yeah, that's cool. What are you saying? No, it's, it's, it's also there's there's other entities, as far as I'm aware, that are interested in the Valorn, and uh, some they, they fall under the realm of Eternals. Um, there are particular Eternals that... I suppose there are some that are, are, are opposed to the Valorn, but there are also a few that are, or, or maybe just one, I'm not entirely sure, uh, that are particularly like interested in the Valorn and sort of work to help it in some ways. Am I correct about that? Um, yes, so the, the main one that we know seems to be very pro-Valorn is Yonagra. Yeah. Um, also known as the Green Mother, I think is one of the Sovriquettes. Um And she seems to try and empower it and to utilise it and to make it mutate or help it to grow. And then they have other Eternals like um, Osagran or Lord Rain, who expressly says on like their entries that they do not like the Valon and they view it as a infection. Mm. So th there are some certain Eternals that like are very. Some take an interest in it from other perspective. I believe this is on the Conclave records that um, Sadogwa once said. Can we clarify that I was not to blame for that whole Valon business? Which made the conclave go like, "Hang on a minute, what do you mean?" Yeah, if anyone, <laughs> so I work in an office, and when everyone, someone says, <laughs> "I didn't have anything to do with what that giant terrible thing that happened," and yeah, that's that's a pretty big indicator, especially when not asked, "Did you have anything to do with that breaking?" Um, interesting. Is there something that like um, is like what's the kind of I guess the biggest misconceptions that you think the, mm. the broader populace in the Empire have about the Valorn? Ooh. <laughs> I guess there might be quite a few. Um, so the main one is, I think, what a Valorn is in its essence. Because people are like, oh, Valorn, oh, it's a big plant. Like, mm. it's, it's not a big plant, it is an area. It is a location, it is... I think the most, the, the funniest one I found it described as, which is kind of fitting, is Valorn is angry geography. Which is a very simple but like quite correct way of saying it. It's spring infused area. Um... I love this idea of the because I made the analogy of um, if anyone's a forty k fan of the uh, Eldar and their kind of giant orgy of like pleasure <laughs> birthing mm. Slanesh, but this idea that they used. Like all their cities and they did this giant thing and because of the amount of spring magic being generated or dispersed potentially made this thing happen i find it really interesting the 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 draining of the tank as it were that we do with the 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 the, the trots but yeah i don't know i probably have a whole bunch of misconceptions about curtis is there any more that you can think of um, so why you mentioned that, you remind me of another one, which is the Valorn is spring magic. Spring magic is not Valorn. Yeah. Because a mm. lot of the times people will come to me like, advisor, advisor, have you heard about this thing happening with this? There's these plants doing a thing. And I'm just there like, that's just spring magic. It's, it's not Valorn. Um, and that's the thing that I get a lot is that there's, I think it's even mentioned by um, Leontes the Scribe, which I remember is Andy Raff's historical researcher NPC. 
which is, um, I think that's the correct one anyway, is a lot of people have a tendency of seeing Spring Magic and Screaming Valorn, especially mm. the Navari. They'll yeah. see something which could just be anything that is normal Spring Magic and will just instinctively think it's Valorn. I suppose that's an interesting point to uh, broach the the whole Briar um, sort of situation and how, um, yeah, I, I guess how, because, because Briars are humans who are uh, infused with a certain element of Sprint magic uh, and uh, that has often obviously led to some problems in uh, Navarre. Um, it is what's as a historical researcher of the Valorn, what does what's the kind of the, the broader story, if you like, what's the scoop on all of that as you understand it? Um so the main thing with that is the fact that when, when people fall on the miasma and turn to husks, it is um a fact, it's not a theory or a rumor or suspicion, fact that a briar who falls on miasma becomes a more powerful husk. They become a Velozborn Briar Husk, which are like because of the spring magic in their blood, essentially when they get infected, it kind of supercharges and their husks are faster, they're more powerful, they have a wider range of abilities and skill sets. Um, if I remember correctly, and this is a thing where like, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm fairly sure, the term Dryad is a player created term for a Velozborn Briar Husk. Ha! Oh, that's. Oh, that's juicy, Curtis. Woof. If you look on the wiki and you put in Dryad, I don't think there is any mention of them other than that some Heralds of Yonagra are sometimes referred to as Dryads. Interesting. Similarly, Ent. If you look up Ent, there is not an entry for them. It is just the player-created term for that particular kind of a Lord's Wow. Well, it's a thing go. where, like, it's it's also mentioned, like, it's on, on the wiki, is the fact of like, the reason suspicion of Briars is because, obviously... Spring magic created the Valon, so there's that suspicion of it's like you're some magic to that, mm. and it's also the fact that it's like it is a categorical fact that a briar who falls in the miasma will become a bigger threat than anybody else. I think there's also like an aesthetic thing here as well, right? Like briars have like bark on their skin and can like have manifestations of of nature. I think there's a yeah. there's an aesthetic thing here where we oh the Valorna plants and therefore briars are related to plants and therefore the two are inter interlinked right like and I think that I think that's uh you know obviously it's a point of ignorance but it's quite interesting how the aesthetic might be a massive significant significant part of this obviously with the relation of spring magic as well but yeah it is it is interesting uh, but now we like uh, briars and it is unvirtuous to not like briars so um, that has changed uh, a lot since we started playing the game. I think if I remember correctly, the update was that you can still choose to have those prejudices if you want to, but you no longer have to to be correct for your nation. Yeah, I don't know what the wording is. If that's the wording, uh, I remember there was a big hubbub about it because I know a lot of people were quite invested in that part of the game, both being Briars and mm. not liking Briars. Um, so, yeah. It was focused around because there was a period where briars were starting to support flowers if i'm correct is and was that that i i did read the wiki thing but i have to confess it was a little while ago and my brain's kind of were they moved on to other they were things. fighting the valorn when those and it was a sign happened. that they were in the miasma yeah, yeah and it was yeah. like more that they'd it, yeah uh, are we correct in that yeah the, um, the briars who's been spotted flowers had been having dreams seemingly related to the eternal yonagra but it was specifically people who've been fighting. It, it, again, I'm not too sure on this one particularly, but I, I believe you're correct, and it was specifically those who were fighting the Valor. Yeah, the, 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 right. the, the, the anti-Briar sentiment was, oh, look, Briars are being affected by Valorn spring magic, and therefore they are bad. Uh, the the, the, the pro-Valorn stance, which I took, was they are a signifier that they have actually been fighting the Valorn and are actually should be seen as, as people that we should show a large amount of thanks and, 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 you know, help to because they're the, on the front line of actually fighting the Valorn threat. So as of anything at Empire, you can nerd hammer arguments on both sides of this, um, you know, so it's certainly not mm. cut and dry that there was the, the Briar hate was correct in that and probably based on quite a lot of ignorance if it was, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I just thought another common misconception thing. Yeah. Is one that people are maybe not be great, happy about me saying, but the Valorn being the great spiritual threat to the Empire is an opinion of the Synod. 
is agreed upon by the Synod, it does mm-hmm. not mean that on a scale of the game of Empire, that is necessarily correct. And there's a lot of play happening at the moment where some people are arguing that point back and forth. Like, some people are going, yes, it is. Some people going, no, it isn't. So, so it's a lot like fucking heresy very interesting. to me. It's uh, stirring them up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, it, 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 I suppose you as an individual can obviously have uh, a person inside the Empire can have a different view. I mean, maybe if your entire family had been butchered by the Druze, uh, then you would have a di- very different opinion on maybe what the, the greatest spiritual threat is. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, I guess, is is the Synod motion more respective of basically just where the, the I, I use the religious body as a, as, as a term. I know that the, the way isn't essentially a religion in the... Uh, I mean, it's, it's the religion sense. of the Empire. Yeah. Um, yeah. Combat Buddhism, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of times people like on an OC level will use the argument, yeah, but it's the great spiritual threat. And I like to remind people like that is an in-character opinion. And it is the in-character consensus of the Empire, but it is not necessarily an out-of-character statement mm. of the world. Mm. Um... I think one of the the big things that I like, um, and we're talking about characters here more than anything else, is uh, from a diplomatic point of view, there is no um, debate or communication with the Valorn. It is, you can't like have a peace treaty with the Valorn or say, okay, Valorn, you can go up to this boundary and no further. You can only use military action or some sort of magical response in order to stop their expansion or, or, or to recede them. Um, I think that's one of the, the big arguments that like you can, you can have a treaty with the Grendel. Uh, you can have peace with the Jotun. Uh, you can trade with different nations, but none of those things are possible with the Valorn, which makes them fairly exceptional in that. Even the Druze will, agree to things they might not always do those things but like there, there is a yeah you can communicate <laughs> with them effectively yeah yeah i mean i think like obviously we're all used to uh, and i suppose for those who haven't been to empire uh, there's a certain element uh, element of like the zombie horde uh, which just from a aesthetic on the battlefield uh, sort of sense can can sort of help you maybe picture what it is to to fight against the Valorn and, and why they are a kind of a different foe uh, to a, a regular army like the Jotun, who are oh, much more like... That's a good like... point, actually, Ian. That the Valorn, when you're fighting them, and this is very much of a, front, like a, a frontline fighter, so this is uh, very much from my perception of things, but they can vary in aggression, in strength, in all of those aspects. Like I remember there being a thing where... Uh, we haven't even mentioned it, but Venom what used to be a very good way to kill Valorn. Actually, this is yeah, Curtis. You just tell me, talk, talk to me about <laughs> combat with Valorn about some of the things I just talked about. Yeah, so with this with character I'm currently playing the fair, I've not actually done that much combat with Valorn because obviously my character is mostly a ritualist priest. I have no combat skills, so I don't take the field as an affair. Um, but with the Valorn entities and like the things that are encountered on the battles, there is, as you said, there's a number of different types. There's Valon Spawn Husks, Valon Spawn Husk Ancients, Briar Husks, Hulks, Etacaps, um, and then different types of monstrosities. Um, and it's essentially the nature of the Valon, the fact that it, like, how it works by infesting and mutating and changing things, it means that there is the potential for a number of weird and wacky types of Valon Spawn. Yeah, I always put in... a few... Of like, uh, do you remember that? that um, well, both the book and the movie, Abomination. Uh, sorry, um, um, Annihilation, where it's like it starts changing things, and you get all these kind of strange mutations and stuff like that that sort of start occurring. It's yeah, it's a very interesting foe to face. Uh, and Dave's right. There's that whole sort of aspect of being able to use Venom against it. Mm. Is there a reason? Do we know why Venom? is effective on it so the main thing and again that's just another um misconception thing actually is the example of zombies is a very easy one to explain to people how they kind of function mm. but with how the valon spawn actually works is that the body gets infected with the miasma and then vegetation and plant matter reanimate the body mm. so it's kind of in this suspended state of animation it's not a true undead it's right. kind of like a infected it's- puppet in a way 
yeah, it's a vessel, right? Yeah. For the the Valorn spring magic that is animating it effectively, right? Hmm. Yeah. So if a body's like if you um, dismember or decapitate a body, the Valorn can't reanimate it because it's too destroyed. There's nothing there to pop it, and it's the body's too far gone to manifest with this like invigorating life magic. So the reason why venom works on like lesser spawn is because this vegetation and plant matter, when you hit it with a venom, essentially purges it. Okay. It mm. destroys the plant matter within it. Is again, like to my understanding, this is how it works. Is essentially the the infestation and the life inside it gets purged by the venom, which leaves it just a corpse. So it just okay. collapses again. Here's, here's another That's question. Great. I guess maybe potentially, uh, like, is there a uh, a hive mind or a greater consciousness or will of the Valorn as we understand it or or is it more of akin to a force of nature or uh, is it simply an unknown um uh hang on <laughs> again like wait hang on public versus other I think I'm safe in saying there is currently no evidence Kind of broke okay. up there, Curtis. Oh, but I fit... No, but I, think that, I, I like that. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's uh, let's leave it at that. Though. I can it's, neither uh... confirm nor deny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's um, it's one of the. It's definitely one of the big. One one of the big question marks, isn't it? Like, is there some sort of higher intelligence to this? Why does it behave the way it's do- way it does? Um, is it just a amorphous blob of magic, or that that is wanting to expand um it doesn't seem malicious necessarily um so yeah it's it's it is interesting oh curtis has got the pages out by the way so um we'll see he's read he's reading frantically yeah. right now um, i was just checking um yeah i was just checking that it's, there's some it's it's somewhere public that was the main thing where i was because again a lot of these things i'm like a, a lot of it is public but some like particular details aren't and the reason why you're saying that is mainly because it's a game we can give you so much information but a lot of this stuff is it's much more fun if you go and talk to curtis or other people in the game and this sort of like yeah. this sort of stuff right so that's why yeah, there is it's... some hesitancy to let this stuff out okay cool go on yeah it, it's entirely thing that's like i'm happy to like if you approach the fair in field and ask the fair the third like yeah it's this 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 and this is but mm. it's the fact of it's like and until I'm not comfortable sharing things until they're publicly available because yeah. it feels like that's like kind of cheating the system a bit. Absolutely, I agree. I agree. By the way, um, but I can think that there, there is currently no evidence of sentience, and that's all I can say on it. Beyond that, okay, cool. Okay. Go and find him on the field and harangue him um, for information. <laughs> um, right? Is there any? Is there any kind of closing kind of thoughts? Have we missed anything on this subject? We probably have. Um, is there anything that a you... very big subject so, to be fair. Yeah. There's literally a whole book I'm holding in my hands, and and and, and this I'm sure is scant compared to all the details that you have uh, that go into it. I've got my folder full of like every, every um, civil service record I have in this folder, every historical report that I've been given is in this folder, some past life vision accounts, some that haven't been published yet, some research accounts that haven't been published yet. There's so much on it. There is hundreds of pages on these subjects. It, it, just one random question, um, because obviously as someone who has uh, brewed and partaken in Goose Whisper before, uh, is is that the the <laughs> is that the when you're talking about past life visions, is that reflective of the visions that you get there, or are there broader ways that those kind of visions come to the fore? Are there other mechanisms that bring these visions in so... that you're aware of? So past life visions are specifically the visions that somebody receives when they have a dose of truly owl. Okay. Where they will essentially um, use the truly owl and then um, view one of their past lives. So okay. you'll see the, the, the cycle of reincarnation. You will go back to a moment of one of your past lives and experience mm. what happened in that moment. And then these are usually recorded, documented, um, and often shared. So we have like accounts, I think they're called the Echoes of the Labyrinth. Mm. Um, and you can view these. And like we have a vision of um, in Terunail, a council of Terunail deciding whether or not to cast the Great Ritual yet. And there's a vision of the people in the chamber deciding, should we cast it now or should we wait? Well, that's and fascinating. Like, and that's how we've learned that Terunail didn't have monarchs, they had councils. And 
like how it worked. Like there was two, like I think it was two magisters, two generals, and two artificers. So like things like that are how we've learned about the structure of Trunail. There's also um, the singing stones, if I've got that right, uh, and they've been re all recovered now. Uh, I, I think. Am I right in that? But <laughs> um, we, we, do we they relate the last to the Valorn story at all, or am I kind of conflating two different Navari elements? So, the the singing stones are interesting because they seem to be Trunail artifacts, and we've encountered a few of them. The last one that we recovered was lost, mm. and we've been told that the one we found in Bakelion was the last singing stone, and right. these singing stones seem to contain rituals. And then the last one which we found contained, um, essentially allowed different covens to work together to cast Dance of Navaranthorn. Mm -hmm. um, so this last singstone that we found, I have no idea what's in it. There could be some new ritual in it, there could be an old ritual in it. It could have some unique like property. A, a funky little kinder egg that we can pop open and, and break a little elastic band powered toy out of essentially i can't oh my god <laughs> everything is so exciting at the moment i can't P wait please don't break it <laughs> um just a point on the true liao uh you need a uh, priest of the way to help you get your soul back into your body so don't just go out snorting true liao if you get a hold of it um <laughs> it's very expensive as well yeah it's a, it's a very specific ceremony um, and any priest with the dedicated skill can do as a guide for you um mm. but you have to do it oh well you should usually do it through the civil service. However, they recently updated the page saying you can technically take it without the civil service's help. There might be consequences. So <laughs> it depends on what style of game you're playing. If you want to play fast and loose with your soul, yeah. then go for it. Basically, um, we're not here to judge. Um, cool. Um, I think we should kind of wrap things up there, fellas. I feel like if we talk any more, we're probably going to start entering into um, yeah. much more kind of what you should be learning on the field. But I feel like this is a pretty good introduction to the subject. Um, you can kind of obviously find Curtis uh, on the field. Just ask for the uh, advisor to Valorn. Everyone will point you in his direction. He's a very uh, distinctive looking uh, character. So, um, a wonderful <laughs> yeah, rainbow so snake. Good. So good. Um, <laughs> And that's your, your character is fantastic as well. Uh, just beyond like the, the role that you inhabit, like it's it's so good. Yeah, thank, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, uh, talk among yourselves for a minute. I need to bring up our patrons so we can thank them. But uh, talk among yourselves. <laughs> Actually, no, that's a really good. Uh, like beyond, uh, obviously your role and everything. Um, it, like, how would you describe uh, your character just as as their sort of personality and their sort of Oof. way? <laughs> Like how how do you choose to to play uh, on the field if that makes sense? So like when I was making the fair again, like I looked at like the Naga brief mm. and the Navar brief, and was like both of those down up to a hundred. Yeah. So if if you read through the Naga page and like all the role playing trappings for Naga, I try and hit all of those with the fair. Mm. Um and like the usually like fairly sassy and flirty. Um, a lot so of people, good, dude. A lot of people think that they're not very serious, but then when it gets like history, they'll be like, "Oh, by the way, blah 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 blah," <laughs> and we'll yeah, just yeah, yeah. shotgun information out. Um, but like, your yeah, storytelling is fantastic, by the way. <laughs> uh, you, you, um, you you really should do yourself a favor and listen to one of Nefer's, um stories, essentially of like how I was never here. <laughs> <laughs> it's so okay, good. I've got, I've got uh, a list yeah, of patrons I'm, I'm, here. We are thanking three patrons randomly off our list. Um, uh, today we're thanking. Uh, I'm going to try this, Mark. Mark Collegian. Collegian. Mark, you're going to have to get in touch with us and let us know exactly how that is supposed to be pronounced. Um, I think it would only be right if we thanked Andy Rafferty in this episode um, because. You know, he's a cheeky scamp. And uh, Daniel Wilde. So thank you very much, guys, for your support. Um, we really appreciate it. You thank helped you us so out. Thank you so much. End. Um, right, Curtis, is there a line or some sort of saying about the Valorn that we can maybe close out the episode with? Any thoughts? <laughs> the one that comes to my mind is one that's on a coaster, has a song written about it, and is a fun one to me. The Valon has no trade interests. <laughs> <laughs>